Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. You were here, down here at Brett's RV and Marine with me, Colter Nuanas. Welcome back, Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. I'm sitting down here at Brett's RV and Marine broadcasting through the Northwest Motorsports Studio because Brett's has got their grand design sales event going on. Right now is the absolute best time to buy a new RV at Brett's RV and Marine. For three days only, receive exclusive factory discounts. The Grand Design Sales Event on now. Brett's RV and Marine comes ahead of us down here at 4800 Grant Creek Road in Missoula. You may see the thing in the first hour Nuanas now. A new guest, but one that will be back tomorrow, in fact. A, maybe one of the quickest return invites in Nuanas now history. Colby Dant from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's the host of the College Basketball Experience. He broke down the betting lines for us for the first four games of the Sweet 16 that will take place tonight. Uh, Tipping here about three minutes, actually. So we'll give you some updates before this show is over. Uh, we also 
Heard from Alex Eshelman as part of our Montana State Minute and talk some prep hoops, uh, specifically the Highline Invite. You can find all of that on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as the Advocates. Time now for a footy 15. It's going to be a little longer than 15, though, more like a footy 20, because uh, it's a good one. The World Cup on the horizon. And our Andrew Houghton, he's been producing this great podcast. Soccer and Snow and Smoke, and this week his guest, Mark Cranston, uh, a very interesting guy. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. But, Andrew, I'll let you uh, set this up for the people uh, for this 4015 for this week. Well, that's right, Coulter. We're going into World Cup qualifying this week. Uh, the last World Cup qualifying window for the United States men's national team kicks off with a game in Mexico in the Azteca. In just a couple hours tonight, United States still not qualified for this year's coming World Cup in Qatar in the winter, actually. Uh, but I, I've been doing this podcast. I, I got a tip that... This guy, Mark Cranston, was from Frenchtown. Mark, if you don't know him, you might not know him by name. Like I say in the intro to this podcast, if you've seen a United States men's national team game, you've seen him. He's the guy standing in the stands with the eagle mask (laughs) and the whole big eagle costume. They call him Eagle Man. He said he's just been to his 100th U.S. men's national team. Uh, I mean, he's traveled all around the world following this team. Been to so many games, he's down at the Azteca tonight, so he's going to be at that game. You'll probably see him. I mean, the, the TV networks have a camera on him at all times, so you'll see a shot of him in the Eagle costume if you're watching that game tonight. But he's from Frenchtown, man. He grew up around Missoula playing YMCA soccer in Missoula back when that was just starting up, and, and we talked a little bit about that, just being a fan in Montana 40 years ago and trying to learn about the game, um, as well as just some of his experiences following the team and what he's thought going into this qualifying window, which is a huge one for the United States. I know the memories of 2018 and failing to qualify for that World Cup are still fresh and lingering, but they're in a good position going into these games. So it's Mark Cranston on the Footy 15 segment here. You can also catch that full interview in a two-part podcast. Just search Soccer in Snow and Smoke. It'll come up for you. A lot of great stuff in there, but here is Mark Cranston on the Footy 15. Nuanez now. Just give everybody a little background on on how you know this all got started and how you decided. I mean, I, do people call you Eagle Man? And did how did that start? How many games do you yeah, go that's... to? Um, and and what's what that has been like? Because I, I'm telling you, if you've if you watch the United States Men's National Team, you've seen Mark on the sideline. But like, how did you come up with the costume? How did that all how did that all come about? Yeah, it's a, a long way from Frenchtown. I can t- tell you uh, a little bit more eventually about uh, kind of my background uh, as a fan then. But I was a, a big fan for just a couple of years during the NESL years, and then um, you know kind of had a lapse there and and started following the national team probably in the 1990 uh, World Cup. And uh, I was a uh, first year medical student in Portland, and I remember that year. Um, I didn't know that much about the World Cup at that time, but the U.S. was in it. And uh, and I had uh, pathology, cytology was the last class of the year. And uh, we had all this time at home and uh, uh, looking at slides under the microscope. And that was my worst grade of the whole year. I barely, barely squeaked by because I was spending all my time watching the, uh, the, the World Cup. And so then 94 came around, and uh, my wife and I, it was a first-year residency, 
and uh, we were going to go to a couple games. I had one week off, just happened to be the week of the, um, the World Cup, and uh, she ended up getting really sick that week, and, uh, and we found out she was pregnant just days before. And so, uh, so we missed the 94 World Cup, but uh, we've been to every World Cup since. And so I uh, just became, you know, huge fans going to, going to as many games as we could. And uh, she decided that uh, at the end of a Halloween party uh, before the World Cup in Brazil, that she was going to wear her Wonder Woman costume to the World Cup in Brazil. And I said, well, that, that, that's good. Uh, <laughs> you know, she wasn't going to talk me into uh, dressing up into anything like that, I, I didn't think. Um, and so I just, I held off, held off. And by the spring, she was still saying, I'm going to wear this. You got to come up with something. You got to come up with something. And so I had this idea that, you know, nobody's ever worn an Eagle costume that scene and I'd be wearing a mask. So nobody would know who I was anyway. And, uh, so that was the, that was the start, the first game in Brazil. And I can tell you, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't until just minutes before, uh, we had to leave the hostel. We were in a little hostel and uh, had a single room there, and I walked out into the common room, and I was still carrying my, my wings and carrying my mask, and I still wasn't sure I was going to put that on. But uh, we you know, got, in, got in the cab, went down uh, about a mile from the stadium. I still thought I had a little bit of time left before I'd have to actually jump out of the cab, and the, and the uh, driver stopped. He said, we can't, can't go any further, and we were just in a gas station parking lot. And so we jumped out. Uh, wife's already in full costume. I kind of ran over in the corner, pulled off my jersey, put my wings under the jersey, put the mask on, turned around, and we had like a, a crowd already. You know, people, uh, all the Brazilians that worked at the gas station and the people that were there, hey, can we get a picture? Can we get a picture. And so it was just so much fun, and we've had a chance to meet so many people over the years. But, uh, yeah, that was the start. What a great origin story. I want to know what's up with the costume. Like, how much does it weigh? Is it uncomfortable for these full <laughs> games? Like, what, what's been the, the stories about that? You know, we uh, I had kind of this store-bought costume, and uh, and I knew I it was going to have to cut the bodysuit in half uh, and, and kind of take out the middle of the wing so I wasn't going to be so hot down. The first game was actually in Manaus, and that's one of the most common questions I get whenever it's hot out and people say, Oh man, it must be terrible hot in that costume. How do you do it? And I just tell them, you know what? The first game was in Manaus, uh, in the middle of the Amazon. And so, you know, it's been easy from there. Uh, but that was the, the first thing I had to do. And then the other main modification I had to make was, uh, the mask was a full face mask and I knew I was going to have to be able to drink some beer during the game. And so I had to cut out a, a, a hole for the mouth and then, uh, so it ended up being two different masks that I'd found and uh, glued those back together. And uh, that's that's kind of how it started. Uh, my wife, same thing with her Wonder Woman costume, has been uh, having it modified over, over the years. Uh, she's actually a image consultant here, uh, kind of well-known within the fashion areas of uh, Las Vegas. And so I actually found a costume designer years ago to help her upgrade her costume and make some changes there. And so... Uh, I've had some help as well, um, and 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 it's taken a, a few changes over the years. Uh, and then main thing is just us uptake on the mask, and the mask is uh, getting getting toward the end. So I think we're going to try to get through Mexico in this week, and then it's going to have to go for some major repairs before the World Cup itself this this time around. 
And how many how many games have you guys been to since then? I mean, you guys have not missed many uh, national team games since then. Right. Yeah. So so since then, and and uh, you that happened to be the year that I actually retired from the Air Force. Um, and so uh, since then, I worked as a contractor, and then uh, the civilian job I have now has um, a lot of freedom. Uh, you know, not on call all the time, or uh, you know, uh, having a clinic practice to manage and all. And so uh, it's given us a lot more freedom so that um, pretty much now um, 90% of the men's games, I get to those. My wife probably, you know, about 75% or so. But uh, I just hit uh, last October my 100th men's national team game. Um, So that was kind of a milestone for myself. That's incredible. That's when, when Mark and I started talking. And this is Mark Cranston famous United States men's national team fan, the Eagle man who grew up in Frenchtown joining us. But when Mark and I first got started talking about this, that was just, I thought the most incredible part of it, the travel and, and getting to see all of those incredible games. Mark, what, what's been your best stories from that period? I mean, games that you remember goals that you remember plays that you remember, or just some crazy stuff that happened to you. So the, you know, and, and well, before we even started, uh, you know, dressing up in costumes and stuff, um, going to games. So my first national team game was in 98 and that was uh, in the Coliseum, uh, in LA, uh, in the gold cup final against Mexico. And so I walked right into, <laughs> you know, something I had no idea what, what, what it was going to be like. I, I, I thinking back then, I don't know if I, even wore, I think I wore like a red, white, and blue shirt maybe, but nothing with stars and stripes or anything like that. Walked in all by myself and uh, just, uh, you know, amazing experience. Um, um, you know, hardly any U.S. fans in the stadium and uh, just green everywhere. I, I, I walked into the, I remember ha- walking into halftime and uh, into the restroom and there were, the, you know, a group of guys in green jerseys in the kind of the corner kind of, hiding themselves by the urinals and no kidding uh, the bags were the baggies were being filled up there. And so, uh, you know, it was kind of an, uh, uh, an amazing first game. And from there, it's just been so many different games. We're going down to Mexico, uh, to the Azteca here, uh, next week. And so I'll be going down, you know, to think that went from that game in 98 to, you know, wearing a full on Eagle costume in their stadium uh, and and to have you know almost no fans in uh, L.A. to you know a situation now where we have a, a huge group of uh, American fans going down for the game. Uh, there's been you know all the away supporter tickets that we have are all sold out. Guys are going crazy today and yesterday and tomorrow as these uh, sales are opening up for the sa- the tickets in Mexico, and uh, we're you know trying to get as many of the guys in the stadium with those tickets as well. So one of the big things is just seeing that fan base grow over the years, um, as well as some of the amazing games that we can talk about as well. Yeah. As Mark is alluding to last set of world cup qualifiers for the U S men's national team coming up next week, a little bit of a nerve wracking time to be a United States men's national team fan. We'll talk about those a little bit later. Mark, I wanted to go back to the beginning a little bit here and you talked about growing up in Frenchtown, and the only outlet was sort of the only place to play was YMCA soccer in Missoula. What were some of your experiences as a fan back then, just trying to get into the game? Where, like you mentioned, 
it was football, basketball, baseball, or, or track maybe in the spring, but not a lot of soccer. And, of course, MLS wasn't a thing back then. I imagine it was pretty difficult. You didn't have all the European leagues on TV in the United States the way that you do now. What was that like, and, and sort of how have you seen the game grow since, since back then, especially in America and even just in Montana? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so back then, you know, um, my experience as a fan was probably just, uh, uh, you know, because of just the determination I had, and for whatever reason, I was just drawn to soccer. And so um, I was able to, first of all, there was Soccer Digest, get this uh, uh, kind of like Archie comic size magazine in the mail once a month. Uh, I don't even think it was probably maybe nine months, eight months out of the year, something like that. And uh, in the back of the Missoulian, every morning you'd be able to run out and, you know, if the NASL had games the day before, it would just be a little box score with the, you know, the the standings maybe, maybe once a week the standings were there. Otherwise it was just listed as the scores there. Um, but I could get on clear nights uh, through the radio I could get two main channels, and, and one was uh, KOMO in uh, Seattle, so I could listen to the Sounders, and um, and then another was actually out of San Francisco, and they had what was the ASL, which was the uh, kind of rival league uh, to the NASL, and the San Francisco Fog uh, was, was the team there. And so that was my, my, you know, there was maybe two games or something like that on uh, regular TV. There was no cable or anything back then, but it was really on the radio. And I, one of my biggest, uh, uh, tell you a little bit about my autograph collection, but I used to write for autographs and, uh, you know, that was the other kind of connection that you'd have to professional fans. But I remember one night, um, I was sitting there listening to the San Francisco game and, uh, you know, I was about ready to fall asleep. And, and, and all of a sudden they came on and said, you know, we want to thank uh, one of our long range fans. Uh, Mark Cranston from Frenchtown, Montana, who wrote to Ian Philby, one of the, uh, their captain, one of their best players there. And, uh, you know, and said, oh, you know, thanks for sending, you know, being a fan all the way out in Montana, listen to our games, and uh, we'll be sending you, you know, autographs and, uh, uh, you know, tickets to games like I could <laughs> get to San Francisco to see a game. Um, but, but it was, that was, I mean, that was amazing to, you know, hear yourself being called out that far away. But that was how I, I followed soccer was uh, through the radio uh, back then. When did you see it start to switch and start to pick up steam? And I know this this might be the answer for you, but you talked a little bit about the 1994 World Cup that was in the United States. And I know a lot of people point to that event as sort of a flashpoint as to when soccer fandom really started to take off. But maybe it was before that for you, but when did you start to, to see other people maybe getting into it on the level that you were or start to find that community or start to think that that changed a little bit? Yeah, as far as U.S. fans, um, there's there's a couple points that I, I always uh, think of when I think of really, really a change because, you know, the, the um, in looking at the World Cup, because um, we've slowly kind of built where, and real slowly, very slowly, um, built where, you know, we'll have fans at home, uh, but seeing fans to travel and fans to go to the world cup has been, been, you know, uh, a lot different. So in 98, there were just a few of us outside of a train station, you know, waiting to, um, kind of, I guess you'd call it a tailgate. Um, 
And then um, in 2002, it's kind of the same thing in uh, South Korea uh, for the games there. There weren't many people around. But in 2006, um, in Germany, uh, we got on the train to go from, from the downtown out to the stadium. And it was packed with American fans. And we started you know, singing on the train. There were a lot of Czech fans along the way trying to get onto the train. And the train was completely packed. So they couldn't even get into the, the cars. And, uh, and so that, that was one point that I always think, you know, wow, you know, things, things are changing. Uh, we actually, you know, have a, a presence as away fans. And then um, the next game was the game against Italy. And that was uh, the game where we had uh, the red cards. Uh, we ended up tying against Italy, kind of violent game. And uh, in the second half, we were down right behind the goal. And they brought all of the riot police away from the Italian fans who were just sitting in the stadium and, and put them in front of the American fans. Not that we were you know, going to do anything, but we were the rowdy fans in the stadium. And so those two... Uh, moments in 2006 at the world cup were times that i look back and i say wow you know uh, things are really changing and then you know we did see significant fans in 2010 and then uh 2014 uh from the united states traveling and so um that's kind of that early 2000s is when i think we really started building a a a solid um supporters uh group and, and and fans for the united states at that time What's been the, the, the yeah. craziest travel that, that you've done for a game, just in terms of, of getting to a game? Ooh. Uh, huh. Um, <laughs> and actually, you know, I'll, I'll kind of take you outside of... Uh, um, so uh, kind of my other just interest is travel in general. And so, you know, take away the uh, national team or some of the club teams. Um, I've had a chance to, to go to some kind of crazy places around the world. And one of the first things I always try to do is, uh, you know, see where the where the soccer game's going to be. And my wife always tells the story. She said, "Yeah, we, you know, we moved to to Germany, and I realized, you know, we were going on all, all these vacations every couple of weeks for the weekend. And uh, you know, I realized every time we got somewhere, there was a there was a soccer game going on. And so, uh, so yeah, so I've been uh, to, to a number of different places uh, around the world. Um, it, uh, including North Korea, um, where I just missed getting to go to a World Cup qualifying game. And uh, we were on a tour there and just arrived that night. And we, you know, tried to do everything we could to get the tour guide to alter the itinerary, which is really obviously very strict there. Um, and uh, just just couldn't get that to go. And so, uh, you know, we drove by and the lights were on and, and you know, to this day, I still think, oh man, that was the that was the one I really missed out on. Um, but just some of the other places, we were doing some stuff with the uh, State Department in Azerbaijan, and uh, which is in Eastern Europe, and uh, just north of Iran, and, um, south of Russia, and uh, and they had their very first World Cup qualifying. So it was early 2000s, just after they had um, broken away from the Soviet Union. And so they had joined FIFA, and it was their first ever World Cup qualifying game. And I remember it was, uh, you know, just a huge stadium. Um, we had, you know, one translator that happened to be working with us, and then about eight people from the, the party that we were 
um, working with. And all of a sudden, things opened up, and, uh, you know, there were no no tickets. It was just going to be a crush. And we got into one of the little cement ramps coming into the stadium, and it was it was scary. You were just, you know, crushed against that, and we just barely got in, get, you know, seated. And then all of a sudden, we see at the end of each end of the stadium, there was uh, open general mission areas, and fans were kind of coming up over the wall uh, to fill in those areas. I don't know if they, you know, went through any sort of ticket entrance or something, but they obviously were just making a rush, and there was police up on the top with their batons kind of trying to uh, beat the fans back, and, and, and so uh, that was just just crazy, crazy situation there. And then uh, as far as the U.S. game, I'll just uh, quickly say probably this last World Cup qualifier in El Salvador, um, you know, they said they were going to have the, because of COVID restrictions, have the stadium at limited capacity. And uh, so we were kind of expecting that. And uh, and so we have a, you know, police escort with the bus. And the stadium is really in downtown. Uh, and so it becomes very tight streets there. So as we're kind of going through the city, um the fans are thinking, well, oh, there's the team, there's the team, U.S. team. And so we get a, a few waves and, uh, you know, a few waves with the middle finger and so forth. And then all of a sudden the, the it gets to the tight streets and now the bus isn't moving so quick. And, you know, you start getting the people uh, knocking on the sides of the doors, uh, you know, kind of rocking the bus a little bit. And uh, um, But you know, inside the stadium it was great. They couldn't have been nicer. But, uh, there, you know, those moments where you're thinking, you know, you, you feel like you're safe, but uh, but put you on edge a little bit at least. It's Mark Cranston joining us on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. We'll get you out of here, but I, I did want to ask you about sort of this set of World Cup qualifiers coming up for the United States. You guys are planning to go down. I think the first game of the, of the uh, set is down in Mexico and then the home game coming back against Panama and then down in Costa Rica to finish up. And, of course, after 2018 and, and failing to qualify for the World Cup, it's always going to be a, a very shaky situation for the Phantom. I know I'm a little bit stressed out about it, even though the United States is in a very good position going into this, this last set of games. Uh, but just w- what are you thinking going into these these last three games that will sort of determine whether the United States is in the World Cup or, or, or not? Yeah, yeah, I think the. Certainly, the experience in you know twenty uh, for the last World Cup twenty eighteen, and then just having you know gone to I didn't get to Honduras, but all the other away games um, this cycle um, gives you a whole different uh, perspective because um, you know we're going to be nervous uh, going into each game, and so you know especially that Panama game. Uh, I think in general, uh, most of the fans are you know traveling way supporters and, you know, our supporter groups kind of are, you know, hoping to get a tie. Be, you know, if we got a win down in Mexico, that would be amazing. But, you know, if we got a tie, that would be great. Uh, being down there for the last uh, cycle uh, when we tied 1-1 on Bradley's, uh, you know, goal, it was, um, you know, we walked away there as winners. We felt felt great. And so if we had something, you know, got a result down there uh, next week, that that will be amazing but the whole you know everybody's really focused on that panama game uh win against panama should set us up 
um, unless Costa Rica just has a crazy run, uh, should set us up for uh, qualification. Um, but that being said, you know, being at the Panama game, uh, you know, Mexi- at Mexico, where we've never won a World Cup qualifier and, you know, uh, rarely get one point, uh, you know, we tie two games and all of a sudden have to go to Costa Rica and needing uh, a win. Uh, nobody wants to do that. So everybody's really nervous. Uh, I think going into them, we're going to feel a little better if we get a result in Mexico and we're going to be ecstatic if we, you know, can qualify with a win against Panama. And that's, that's what, that's what we're hoping for. There you go. The footy 15, Andrew Houghton, our producer at ESPN Missoula. Chatting with Mark Cranston. It's an excerpt from the Soccer in Snow and Smoke podcast. Soccer in Snow and Smoke, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. So if you're into the beautiful game, you like the footy, go subscribe to Andrew's new podcast. It's awesome. And uh, we're happy to have it as a part of our Missoula Broadcasting and ESPN Radio Podcasting Network. This is Nuanas Now, coming to you live on 1029 ESPN Radio. We are down at Brett's RV and Marine, coming to you remote from the March Grand Design sales event. Right now, the absolute best time to buy a new RV at Brett's RV and Marine. You can get up to $25,000 in savings, but you got to act now. It's the next three days, today, Friday, and Saturday. So swing on by 4800 Grand Creek Road. We'll be here doing Nuanas now until 6 p.m., as well as our Missoula Broadcasting set of remotes on the trail and on Jack FM as well. And we'll be back at it tomorrow, 3 to 6 for the remote, 4 to 6 for Nuanas Now. Craig Mettler, the head coach of the Central Track Team, joins us next here at ESPN Radio. The advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. Nuanas now rolls on. We're coming to you from Brett's RV and Marine today and tomorrow. So excited for our partners at Brett's that are having a huge blowout spring sale to get you all ready for summer. Swing on down. We're having a four-station remote, not just ESPN Radio, as well as the Trail 103.3, 104.5 The U, and 105.9 Jack FM. Appreciate Brett's for being such great supporters. They have all sorts of awesome sales going on down here so come on down hang out with us let's dive into a prep extra we've been talking recapping all the state championships from over the last couple weeks when it comes to high school hoops and high school wrestling but spring sports is on the horizon so we're actually recording this earlier on here on a thursday good friend of mine good friend of the show craig mettler the head coach for the sentinel track team in studio what's up Matt? how you living i'm good man thanks for having me Coulter. it's always good to come down and see what's going on well, and uh check you out man the first question that we're asking everybody is how's your bracket brackets uh <laughs> i think 96 percentile oh really look yep, at you yep, so you're yep. good you're in the money what, what's what's the team that's carrying you 
Oh, I'd have to, to be honest. I'd have to You're look. You're probably high on the Zags, high on oh, Arizona. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Eastern Washington guy, you know. I'm for sure. Going to the Zags camps from from you know 14 years old for to sure. 18. So yeah, man, pretty. Uh, they got to go with the Zags, but um, you know Baylor and Kentucky. That they they hurt my bracket obviously as they sure. did many people I would imagine. So, um, but other than that, I'm sure I have some sleepers, and I think I have some. I've got Texas in there, obviously, at this round as mm-hmm. well. In this round Texas as well, Tech, yep. so uh, so th- those two those schools are helping me. Those those mid mid seeds are helping. Is it, the rise of Gonzaga so fascinating, especially for people that are from this area? Because the Zags were always solid, yeah, uh, and they were they were like the Cinderella until they became like the Goliath, but they're still kind of a Cinderella because they're from the West Coast Conference. So, what do you thought of just their rise? Because it's it's been sort of crazy to watch. Used to be Casey Cavalry and Richie Fromm with the upsets, and now it's like. The marked team with the number one pick is what Gonzaga is now. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget my Walla Walla boy, Kyle Bankhead. Oh, there God, too. I love it, yeah. You know, greatest shooter in Gonzaga history. But, yeah, no, I mean, um, obviously Tommy Tommy Lloyd, he had those um, he had those Australian and overseas connections. For so sure. He's using those now at Arizona as well. But, um, you know, I think consistency plays plays a large role in, in success, right? You had Tommy and you had Coach Few there for – for so many years and um, consistent, strong leadership is going to lead to lead to success, you know? So uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's fun to watch. Cause again, when you're a little kid going to those camps and you were so, it was so personable with, with those oh, players for sure, too. Yeah. No like, doubt. It, it was, it was awesome. There's, there's a Kyle Bankhead, Kyle Corver story. Um, that, <laughs> uh, that's a great story that we can talk about off air because it might not be appropriate for on air. But uh, yeah, I just remember hearing stories about some shootouts that they'd have. And uh, and and my boy, Walla Walla guy, Kyle Bankhead coming through and beating Kyle Corver in the in the three-point shootout. So it's it's pretty pretty good stuff. Got to love it. Let's dive into our prep extra presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank enriching the lives of Montanans. Since 1907, track season underway. You actually just rolled in right from practice. So yep. you've been doing this for a little while now, Sentinel's head track coach. How difficult is the early season? Because the uh, wet, the weather in Montana not always cooperative, even though sort of a nice day today. Yeah, no, um, it, it hasn't been officially spring track season yet because we don't have any, we haven't had any snow on the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're, we're still we're still waiting for the snow to, on the ground to officially kick off the the track season, the spring season. But um, but yeah, you know, you get one week of practice with the kids, and then there's the spring break. And, which is what we're currently at right. in currently. And then we have another week of practice before our first, well, four days of practice before our first meet next week. So, yeah, it's difficult. Um, you, you're, we're not going to have all the the whole team participating next week on our first meet because, uh, because again, of spring break and um, only having nine school day practices before our first meet next Friday. So we'll, we'll have a, we'll have half the team there probably competing, but uh, cause they got to get those 10 practices in. But other than that, it, it's going to be, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's, it's early, but, um, but yeah, we're looking forward to, to um, the spring season here. Sentinel, the defending champions of both boys and girls track. It's been, uh, I think, ever in my time living in Missoula. That's been the case for a Missoula high school. And so I know you've been building this thing, and now, especially on the girls' side, trying to maintain the standard of excellence. But how do you keep pushing it along when it's not just gunning for the first championship since 1964 like the boys won a couple of years ago, when it's not trying to repeat as, as champions on the girls' side? How do you keep 
pushing it and say, hey, we, we are sort of the team to beat, but you, you stay the team to beat. Right, right. Um, you know, you, you got to tap into your school resources, you know. Um, you got to get some some kids out, boys and girls, whether they're soccer, volleyball, right, basketball that haven't been out before. Um, you, you really got to see those kids in the hallways and, and get on them um, and uh, just say, hey, you know, it's a great, it's a great experience. It's pretty laid back in the spring. Um, and the worst thing that's going to happen is that you're going to become a better athlete. Right. So, um, that's the worst thing that'll happen to you. So really just, you know, we have, we have teachers in the building who coach as well. And so being able to tap into those, those resources of student athletes who have not come out for track. I mean, I know we've got some, it, the best thing about track cultures, you know, is that you always get some surprises every year. You get a freshman or a sophomore has never been out for track and then, all of a sudden they're going 42 feet in the triple jump as a boy. And you're like, whoa, okay. Never had this kid out. But anyways, yeah, you just got to, you just got to tap into your, your school resources and uh, make sure that you try to get those best athletes out. And then from there, we just, we just focus on how can we get better every single day, every single week um, and build up to that, that perform that high performance phase, which is divisionals and, and state track. It's so fascinating, the sort of the, the science behind it all, right? Because it, it takes a competitive mindset. It takes an element of luck, but it also takes a lot of planning, too. So how is that part of all when you're sort of running the show here and implementing different training regimens for different athletes? How is the art of peaking at the right time? How's right. that evolved? Well, you got to stay healthy, right? Yeah, for sure. So, so That's we, one thing people don't realize about track is it's not maybe the, the quote-unquote devastating injury like you're going to get in football, mm -hmm. but pretty much everybody gets hurt sometime during track where it's just a calf tweak or right. a hamstring pull or whatever, right? Or shin splints. Or, right, yeah, totally. Yeah, something. Um, so so we, we our philosophy is less is more. You know, we always, we always do – we want the kids to compete or to practice at – 100% top end max velocity because that's what we expect on the track, right? For so sure. like we're in terms of sprints, it's we're going to sprint at 100% all day all day at practice, but that might only consist of four sprints, right? And then you're done for the day. So training training at um, max velocity and then when it comes to throws and jumps is and hurdles trying to limit how many live attempts they're taking in practice, right? So, um, just just always, uh, always, always keeping health as as the number one priority. Um, and then from there, we, we our, our coaching staff does a great job of planning out their season, but it's fluid and it's going to be different for every kid. For example, in the sprints, we have tiers of of athletes like. If you're a freshman, you're probably going to be in tier one most likely, and you're going to work a lot of um, running technique. We're going to do some tests on you, some vertical, some flying 10-meter sprints, um, and 30-meter, 60-meter sprints at the max maybe for those younger kids. But then for our older kids, we'll get a little deeper into to some, some, some deeper sprints with them. But for the most part, we, we we tier kids based on their ability because we don't want to we don't want to get them too overworked and, and overwhelmed. So, um, and that and that can be said with our distance crew and our throws and jumps is the kids are tiered based on their ability. So, prep extra presented by Farmer State Bank. Ask Farmer State Bank about a personal loan for that camper vehicle, personal watercraft, anything you need for summer fun. Start the process online. FarmersEbank.com or contact. 
one of their experienced personal lenders, Farmers State Bank, enriching the lives of Montanans since 1907. Craig Mettler, the head coach for the Sentinel track team, in studio with us here on Nuanas Now. That part's interesting too, Craig, because when you first started building up the, the this track and field program and you guys first started having your state championship success, so great in the jumps, especially the horizontal jumps, so great in the sprints, and you had a, a, a you know a, a transcendent talent in Rylan Ort throwing the javelin too. That was one of the yep. most fun events I've watched when we were up there in Flathead watching uh, him and Evan Todd battle it out in the javelin that year at, at state. But the distance programs have come along so well too. And we know in Montana some of the great high school dynasties, any sport, it was Bozeman and cross country and Hellgate sort of nipping at their heels. But now Sentinel has sort of taken a place in cross country and distance running as well. So how has that sort of helped, especially on the boys' side and the team race? Yeah, no, um, Diego, Coach Hammett does a good job um, developing that that program. And, um, yeah, I, I think that you just, when you have, when you develop overall, because our philosophy at Sentinel is to develop an overall athletic program, not just focus on one or two programs. Sure. We want kids to be successful in, in all aspects and be involved in multiple sports. And so I think that when, when, you get, when you get groups of kids who support each other in different sports or participate in multiple sports, obviously they're not always going to be the best in each sport. But when you get, can get that, when you can develop that, that program, overall program, um, I think that's really attractive to to student athletes, and uh, obviously, um, just just doing the best with what you have. It's high school sports. It's going to be or high school athletics, I should say. It's going to be a roller coaster. You're going to have good years. You're going to have down years. But if you can train as well as possible, if you can focus on best practices and train that way, I think you're going to have have a um, you're gonna you're gonna have success over over a long longer term period. Um, some of that success might look different in regards to whether you're holding up trophies or not. But if you can maintain and be and have consistent um, success, then I think that that's that's going to be uh, what you will see with successful programs over the long run is that they might have a few down years, but when they do have the talent, they will be, you'll know that they have the talent. Oh, you got some great talent coming back as well. One of the great track athletes in the state of Montana last year as a junior, Brooke Stainer. She's back for her senior year here at Sentinel and uh, signed with the University of Montana in the offseason, which a great get for the Grizz because she Huge. is a top level uh, athlete. I mean, she could have gone pretty much anywhere in the country, right? So yeah. well, what do you think of Brooke coming into her senior year? Because, um, can't say she has anything left to prove, but she's definitely going to have a target on her back as somebody that's so great in the hurdles, the jumps, I mean, everything in between. Yeah. No, uh, you, you got to love Brooke. I mean, the best thing about Brooke is that she's a holistic human, right? She's she's not only just a three-sport athlete, but she plays the violin. Right. Um, like, well. For at sure. A, at a high level. I mean, our, heck, I'd hire her here. She comes on. She's came on the show twice. She's money on the radio, yeah, too. Yeah. No, I mean, she's our... our our band program, Lewis Nelson, our band director, got to give him a shout out because he he runs that like a top level for sure, top level varsity sport as it should be. Um, so I mean, she she's in, she plays the violin. She's a three sport athlete. She's an AP honors kid, dual credit. Um, you just can't add, and volunteers. You can't ask for a, a better human, right? And then on top of it, she's pretty good. So <laughs> pretty athletic, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and she she's got some motivation. She's got some motivation. Um, her we we've had some conversations, and she's got some motivation to be more even more successful this year. Um, she uh, 
she has good head on her shoulders. She knows what she wants, and she she's going to be a, a, like you said, a great get for the Grizz. I mean, she, she you had Clemson, Arizona State, Wazoo, UW. You had walk on offers from Oregon. You know, you had Oregon State out. Yeah, she had. I mean, she yeah. You you name it. She she had people want wanting to to gain her services um, for for the next at the next level. So. Yeah, great get for the Grizz, but that's you know Lindsey Hall for sure. And Lindsey Hall is a big, big push there because she was so successful at the collegiate level than at Utah State. So I think that relationship Lindsey Hall with Brooke was a was a huge, huge push to or huge reason why why the Grizz landed such a phenomenal multi future multi athlete. She has a lot of potential when it comes to the multis, too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that a lot. Kids that come from Montana who haven't necessarily done multi-event training but have done a variety of events, it seems like they have such a high ceiling. Yeah. The only the only two events she hasn't done in the in the HEP is uh, the shot and the javelin. <laughs> right. You know, like, she's done high jump. She's ran the 800. So she's uh, she's she's pretty well-versed for, for most events. On the boys' side, then, Craig Mettler joining us at Missoula Sentinel track coach doing a little spring preview here as track season couple weeks away and setting all the defending champions in class double a on both the boys and girls sides if you take away that covid year the girls three out of the last four state titles and the boys have two of the last three at the double a level so very impressive for sentinel so far uh, over the last several years the clough twins we got to know tanner a little bit during uh, cross country season because he had such a great year and now he's headed to minnesota and then yep. drew who you and i talk about this a lot College football, you play college football, you play for the Grizz, yep. and he's going to go play for the Grizz as well. And that's it's a hard thing for kids from Missoula to turn down, but he's a heck of a 300-meter hurdle runner as well and a, a great athlete all the way around. So those guys, kind of the, the leaders of the pack, what do you think of the boys' team overall and, and just sort of the prospects they have for chasing another state title? Yeah, the boys the boys will be solid. Um, like you said, you got the Clump brothers, you've got Cruz. Yep, we, Zach Cruz, of course. Yep, yep. We have uh, we have some jumpers that'll, that'll be good again um, on the boys' side. Uh, our sprints crew is going to be pretty solid, actually, as well. We've had we got a handful of boys who were younger last year, sophomores and juniors, who have been putting in a lot of time. Whether it's at speed school in the winter because they're not playing basketball or wrestling, or uh, um, j- just that the growth that they've had from the summer, if they were playing or if they were wrestling or playing basketball, the, the speed growth that they've they gained over the summer. So the the sprint crew will be good as, as well. So we should have. I mean, the throws. We're gonna have some kids throwing as well. So we're we're gonna we're gonna have a, the boys should be strong again. They, they should definitely have a have a strong team. And then on the distance side, like you were talking about earlier, you got Clump, you got Shawls, you got Green, you got Crosby. Um, like you, we've we've got we've got a handful of handful of boys on the distance from the eight hundred up as well. So. Um, yeah, it should be it should be an exciting year, and we'll see we'll see where the chips fall. But uh, but again, it's all about just going out and competing um, day in and day out, whether it's at practice or uh, at at the weekly meets. So it should be a fun year for for the boys and girls. Craig Mettler, Central Track Coach, in studio with us. It's our prep extra here on Nuanas. Now we're coming to you live. We're pre-recording this, but we're coming to you live from Brett's RV and Marine. So swing on down. Brett's right now they have the absolute it's the absolute best time of year to buy a new RV for three days only exclusive factory discounts across the board here at Brett's so come say hi to us last thing for you Craig 
you got some athletes competing in the collegiate level as well. It's great fun following uh, those young ladies. I know Ashley McElroy placed in the yeah. Big Ten indoor championships again uh, in the triple jump. And uh, Lauren Hagan, I haven't heard an update on her recently. So what's going on with Lauren out there at the University of Washington? And you must be pretty proud of these young ladies competing at the Power Five level. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Um, Lauren had the season off. Okay. Yep. Yep. Because it's always interesting with track, right? Because you right. can redshirt at any time, and you also get multiple redshirts, whether it's indoor or outdoor. outdoor. Exactly. So probably why I didn't see the updates on she, her. She was out for the indoor season. Yeah. Um. So so that's why you weren't seeing many many uh, social media posts and reposts. About, she had a great. She had a great freshman year, right? Great, I mean, great chased forty two feet in the triple jump yep. and was pretty consistently uh, improving from her high school marks. Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll see. I um I haven't. I don't know what her outdoor season looks like. If they're also going to redshirt there as well, but uh, I'll, I'll get in contact with her here and chat with her to to see what's going on. But yeah, McElmary, she was uh, third in the Big Tens. Um, just just a stud, man. She is I mean, a stud. Golly, she keeps getting better as well. You know, her long jump, triple jump, just keep they keep improving. And if you look at Ashley physically. She's a different kid than she was in high school as totally. well. And she's going to continue to be two years from now. She'll be a different kid than she was today. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's super cool to see those kids have success. And um, they should be so darn pr- proud of themselves because they put in so much time and effort. And obviously we're proud of them, but I always like to tell the kids that you need to be proud of yourself too because you – it, it's not about the external people that like it should be you should have some internal pride in how you how you have day in and day out put the work in and gotten better and seen that improvement whether it's in the weight room or actually on the the runway so it's 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 uh it's always fun to see see your 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 former athletes at the college level like you said especially at the power five level having a lot of success because that's that's the cream of the crop out there especially with nebraska they have a lot of they recruit a lot of foreigners too. for sure on ashley's triple jump squad she has some some kids from across the pond on her on her team so um it's cool to see them compete on a at a world level as well in that sense track on the horizon track season spring sports season on the horizon it's our prep extra craig mettler the head coach of the missoula sentinel track team join us thanks for being here man this was great yeah appreciate it thanks coulter Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Radio.
What's up, Montana? Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. We're coming to you from Brett's RV and Marine. It's the first of a three-day March Grand Design sales event right now. The best time to buy a a new RV at Brett's RV and Marine. But you only have today, tomorrow, and Saturday for the Grand Design sales event. It's on now. Brett's RV and Marine, 4800 Grant Creek Road in Missoula. Coulter Nuanas coming to you from Brett's. Missed anything in the show today. Fun show. We heard from Colby Dant of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's the host of the College Basketball Experience and a gambling aficionado when it comes to talking lines and picking games. So we broke down the Sweet 16 with him. We also heard from Alex Eshelman from SWX Montana as part of our Montana State Minute, talking all things Bobcats. We also previewed the 35th Annual Highline Invitational Tournament up in Haver beginning tonight and rolling through the weekend. Heard from... Mark Cranston, a soccer super fan and a, a expert when it comes to World Cup soccer, part of our 4015 with Andrew Houghton. And then we also heard from Craig Mettler, the head coach of the Missoula Sentinel Track and Field Program. Had to cut that one a little short, but if you want to fe- hear the full version of our interview with Craig Mettler, as well as anything from today's show, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by the Advocates as well as Sports Bet Montana. Tomorrow, another fun show will be coming to you from 3 to 6 down here at Brett's RV and Marine. Normal time for Nuanas now, 4 to 6. But we'll be down here from 3 to 6 doing a remote uh, on both ESPN Radio as well as the Trail 103.3 FM and Jack FM 105.9. So look forward to that. We'll be joined by Melanie Michael, the head coach of the Grizz softball team. We also... We're going to give you an update on our bracket challenge and our second chance challenge and also hear from Colby Dant one more time, bringing down tomorrow's Sweet 16 and a great surprise for you. The return, the illustrious return of Carolyn, the Chicken Doesn't Know Sports. I recorded with her earlier today. It's a hilarious one. You're going to want to tune in. So we'll see you back here at Brett's RV and Marine tomorrow at 3 p.m. And for Nuanas now... At 4 p.m., thanks to Andrew Houghton and the boys in the back for helping us continue these great remote broadcasts from all around the Northwest. It's been very fun doing all this, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.